Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut. I'm an ASC cinematographer, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about something. Getting started in this industry is almost impossible. And my wife, Lydia, and I, 14 years ago, created a resource called Filmmakers Academy to make it possible. We saw a lot of gatekeeping in this industry and not a lot of sharing knowledge. So we wanted to pull back the curtain, give you confidence, teach you all the necessary skills to be an amazing, successful filmmaker, and package it all on this online resource that you have at your fingertips, on set, on your phone, on your laptop, whatever it is. So we're going to give you $50. So if you go into the show notes, click the link, and hit the promo code FAPOD50, you're going to get $50 on your first year of an all-access membership. And I cannot wait for you to join our immense and immersive community at Filmmakers Academy, where we network, we share knowledge, we just bond as this huge filmmaking uh, resource to ignite your creativity and push you beyond your boundaries. I cannot wait to see you in the Academy, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome to Shane's Inner Circle Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Lydia. Hello, Inner Circle members, and welcome to the November podcast. This one is going to be themed lighting. We have a lot of great questions. Let's get right to it. Please explain what it means to light in layers. I really want to know how you achieve color separation on your scene with healthy skin tones on your actors, whether trying to achieve the teal, the orange look, warm or cold, or light the night scenes in the car you did on Need for Speed, where the exterior of the car was golden and the interior was greenish, but with clear, healthy tones. I would love your insight on this scenario. With the new low-light capabilities of the Sony A7S, lighting in layers is one thing that I go into specifically with this Illumination Experience Tour and getting the workshop would be your first step. I talk about how I lighten layers specifically and how the key light is your first stroke in this uh, on your canvas. And once you are able to set your key light, then you start to lighten layers to be able to formulate contrast and depth and dimension. All this is in the HD download, the use of different color, warm, and cool tones, as well as how I lit all the interiors in Need for Speed. Going through the Need for Speed thing was the use of the Roscoe Light Pad Kit, which I control in a way of taping the LED light pad so you do not see the little LEDs that fire onto the pad itself, so it becomes very soft. And then a lot of egg crate control, where I go to Home Depot and I find the little egg crates that are used to control fluorescent overhead lighting, and I cut those on 
on my router and I put those on the front of the light pad and then put a little green gel on it to mimic the interior of like uh, coming off of a dashboard at night. Then it's shooting around 2,500 ISO on the interior of the cars, which I found is the right recipe shooting at a T2 that will bring whatever natural light street lights into the car mixed with this light pad dimmed down to just give you that wonderful base of fill, probably four stops down that gives you that kind of greenish glow mixed with the sodium vapors or metal halides or whatever you're driving under on the street that you select. So these are how I use that, taking advantage of the new low light capabilities of the Sony a7S. Unless you're doing a very controlled lighting setup in regards to you don't have to worry about window light, you don't have to worry about any kind of street lights, stuff that is not under your control. If you're literally in a black room and you are lighting from scratch, then the low light capabilities of the camera are incredible. If you plan on going out and shooting with moonlight and you don't want to light anything, then you can crank that baby up to its 400,000 ISO and deal with your, your grain, your noise, let's say, and try to shoot in that scenario. But other than that, the camera is not going to give you anything different than the cameras that are on the market that have decent ISO settings with low noise ratio in the 2500 ISO range. The reason being is you cannot go and uh, control street lights and control storefront lights and control window light without using ND on windows or going around and spray painting all the street lamps so they don't blow out. I've found you can't shoot over 2,500 ISO at a T28 on streets. It just doesn't work. If you go above that, all your lights are just going to blow out and they won't have any color and they won't have any separation and it will just look like a very, very hot night with no color, very little contrast. That's my whole thought process on this new low light capability of the Sony A7S. Let's move on to our next question. I've been chosen as the DP for a film this fall. The director wants me to resemble the black and white movies of the 40s and 50s with a hint of film noir inspiration. It'll be shot on the Canon C100 using Roken Primes. The issue is that I'm not absolutely certain how to achieve the look of classic black and white film utilizing modern digital cameras. What are some of the things I can do or methods I can try from photography to post-production to achieve this look? I believe the recently released Ida to be the only digital shot film I've seen thus far to essentially capture the look of classic black and white films. In regards to that, I shot some black and white short films where I used monochrome on the Canon 5D Mark II, and I absolutely loved the quality of that. The camera is set up specifically to mimic Kodak Tri-X. It had incredible tonality. So I would whack in a picture style with your C100 and shoot monochrome. 
in regards to your C100 and your Rokinon primes, those lenses might work very well for black and white because they tend to be sharp in the center and not so sharp on the outer edges. And that's older prime lenses had those issues. So I think that might be a very nice match for this classic uh, black and white film style. Greg Tolan is a director of photography that you want to take a look at his work. He did a lot of Orson Welles films. Obviously, Hitchcock, you can take a look at in regards to Orson Welles. Take a look at Touch of Evil. That's one of my favorite black and white films ever done. You can really see the style of that. A diffusion that I like to use with black and white is a Mitchell diffusion, which is a very, very old diffusion. It was one of the first diffusions ever made. Alfred Hitchcock used it with some of his actresses. You can find it still out there, and that is a really great diffusion to use with black and white, just to get that kind of period look. Next question. Shane, I like your website. I can see this would be an excellent resource. As you said in the introduction to the Inner Circle, I would like to know more of the why behind the how as well as the how. Your Shaping Light post was excellent and I look forward to more, but I would like to know more about creating the emotion in the meeting and the scene visually with color and deciding on the lighting style for a mood. Thanks, Shane. Ryan Larison. All right, Ryan. To go into that would take pretty much the whole podcast. So I'm really going to defer this to my HD download for the workshop that I did on the illumination experience. The HD download is truly your only way to get into my head of how I do this. I break it down systematically of the why behind the how and how to really keep everyone organized and on the same page where everyone is making one movie. It's really informative and really gets behind the emotions of how I use camera emotions and how I use lighting emotions to accent and assist in the storytelling process. And that is going to be available on the Illumination Experience website as well as the new Inner Circle and Probit Visual store, and they should be available after Thanksgiving. Next question. We have gotten to the point of shooting night exteriors with little to no light, but why is it that day interior scenes require such huge amounts of light? I feel like 3 times 18 Ks is going to blow the scene out by a few stops, and yet it doesn't. I guess the answer is pretty much the science of how light intensity falls off with the distance, but I always find it hard to know what I need for a scene because every scene set location is unique, and the last thing you want to do is arrive with way too much or too little in gear to adequately light the scene. How you approach scenes beforehand knowing that you can do this with a single 6K or four 18Ks or just some muslin or a bounce. How do you know what lighting you need for what size area? This is sent in by Christopher Grant Harvey. This is a great question, and it's something that I kind of uh, touch on a little uh, in the illumination experience, but I will definitely go into it here pretty quickly. Here's the scenario. No matter how sensitive our cameras get, they can see like the A7S, 400,000 ISO into the night. It is never going to change the fact 
that we have to balance interiors with exteriors during the day. And that requires very bright lights. So how I attack every scenario is I bring an arsenal to be able to light and balance interiors with exteriors. Now, how do you know how much or how little? Well, it's pretty simple because depending on the size of your room or the size or where people are going and are they moving from room to room on how much or how many lights you're going to need. If you're balancing any kind of day interior with day exterior, you're going to need 18Ks or you're going to need 6K PARs, or you're going to need 4K PARs. These lights all do different things. So an 18K is going to be able to drive sun into a room and make it look very realistic. A 6K or 4K PAR is not necessarily the greatest sun source, but it's a great bounce source. You're able to bounce those if you want uh, to play softer light coming through windows and not necessarily a mix of hard, then you can use a lot of 6K and 4K PARs to do bounces. I like bouncing 18Ks because I think Fresnels are the most beautiful lights to bounce because their field is so even and you can spot and flood and have all the creative swing of that. The new Airy M series, the M4s and the M18s have really changed the game in regards to eliminating the whole par lens scenario and being able to spot and flood. So I'm using those a lot more for bounces. Basically, it's this level of light that you have to bring up in your interiors and depending on whether you want to light it hard light and then come in and light it softer. These are all the ability of just having to have these very bright lights to balance. There's a couple apps out there called the uh, Light Source app that gives you foot candles based on your T-stop and where the distance that the light is going to be and will give you a beautiful ballpark estimate of what that light and how it's going to perform in this specific scenario. This is something that uh, is not going to change with the sensitivity of the camera sensor. Even when we're doing day exteriors, we're going to have uh, to have very large lights to be able to help with day exteriors. Now, you mentioned something about bounces and muslin and reflector boards and stuff like that. All these are subject to whether you have sun and you can never count on it. Anytime that I have counted on the sun to be there, I have set myself up for disaster. If the sun seems to be out and the weather forecast seems to be very good, I still do not choose to use reflector boards or bounce boards. You cannot trust the weather. I've just been put in these situations too many times where I've made the gamble and have been pretty burnt in the process. When you're lighting a scene, it has to have continuity, just like the continuity of actors doing things the same way, as well as the continuity of sets and props. The lighting needs to have a continuity to it. 
And you can only do this with controlled lighting. I make it a rule that if I'm going to do interiors, day interiors, I'm plotting where that sun is so I can you know, select the best time to be able to shoot this for success in regards to balancing my interior and exterior. Is obviously if you are looking to shoot out windows, you would not want the sun backlighting that sky because you're just going to blow out all your detail out there. If the light is more side lit coming across and the sky can be blue, if it's a good day, then you're going to hold the detail on the background as well as the sky. So it's choosing the right time to kind of set yourself up for success in regards to being interior. And uh, this is a a misnomer. People don't really understand that uh, plotting the sun, if you're shooting day interiors, why knowing where the sun is so important and because you're kind of shooting outside even though that you're inside because with digital sensors they just don't respond well to overexposure no matter how much the latitude is increased on the dragon or on the alexa they still do not blow out like film it doesn't have an organic blowout it has a very video blowout and it feels clippy and very digital planning this is very much about planning your interior shoots when the sun is best to be able to look out those windows and keeping the light consistent where you're able to control all that lighting inside the room because you are creating the light that's coming into those rooms or through those windows or doors. And this is very much on how I handle every scenario because you have to keep the lighting continuity so the scene shot over four hours, shot over eight hours, stays very consistent. Next question. Hi, Shane. Here is a lighting question for you. When it comes to starting out, the tools of the trade for me have been tungsten lighting that can be plugged into a standard household 120 volt circuit like blondes, redheads, smaller accent lights, Home Depot halogen and clamp lights, you name it. It's been great for my education in lighting, a lot of set location interior work. I found that there are some situations where I just need a stronger kit. When it comes to upgrading your toolbox with bigger lighting that requires a generator, what are some things to consider? I've read your lighting articles on these lights, but it's harder for me to see how to apply these tools or know what process to go through when scaling up to bigger spaces. Maybe I should just rent some bigger lights and blindly do some tests. What do you think? Getting to really understand what these lights can do and how you will use them as an artist is, yeah, you got to get your feet wet with this. Expanding your kit, it's renting lights is what I do. I don't really purchase a lot of lights. I try to rent almost everything that I shoot with other than the ones that I build myself. And those are kind of detailed in this uh, Illumination Experience workshop. I go into the DIY scenario and how I build these lights to be able to be on just a 10 amp or 8 amp circuit and give you the output of a 4K or a 5K. But upping your kit 
You know, it's necessary to have lights that can do both. I like the Celeb 200 or the Celeb 400 because it's a light that has very high output and can go from 2,700 degrees all the way up to 5,500 degrees. I also like the new Felix LEDs that the Q500, they're going to be coming out with a a bigger Fresnel and they have the smaller 360s and, and the smaller 180s that are all waterproof and can go daylight all the way to tungsten, anything in between. These lights give you the option to do all different types of color temperatures. You don't have to deal with a lot of gels in your kit. You can be a little more stealth. But moving up to the bigger lights, you're looking at if you were dealing with redheads and blondes, then I'm looking into like the Astro panel that the light panel just came out with. The one by one panel is very powerful and uh, a great bounce source to use. I'm looking at the Airy M8, which is an 800 watt. So it's a still very small HMI, but it has a ton of punch. It's like a 1200 par or moving up to the M18. And those things you can all plug into a 20 amp circuit. I'm using the M8s on the tour right now. And I'm telling you, those things are very, very powerful. You could easily use those to do small scene interior, using those as bounce lights to to equalize your interior with your exterior. You could drive them through windows to do little spotty, subtle accents. Obviously, they're not going to be the power of an 18K that really gives you the balance of day interior with a, a day exterior. They're starting to get you close to working with larger lights. So that's what I would suggest with that. Hi, Shane. I have a project coming up in a few months that may require shooting some day for night stuff on a tight budget. Reason is mostly due to when people are free. Any tips on shooting day for night would be great. Most of the tutorials I've found online just look too blue, just not right. Is it worth a shot or should I just steer clear of the idea and spend more cash on lights and shoot at night? Current gear is an ML mod Canon 60D with old Pentax K mount macro glass and about four cheap work light LEDs on stands. Cheers, Cable Williams. Cable. I've found that uh, this day for night thing, I've done it in several movies, and it is exactly that. It is a cheat, and not many people do it anymore. They would rather manipulate it in CGI and do it all that way to be able to take advantage of it. I would try to shoot it at night. Just the inconsistency and trying working with the sun and getting it in the right placement, it's just a very, very dicey thing to create. And it never really looks right. That would be my advice for you. Next question. Is there a good question to learn how to use a light meter? I bought one, but I don't know if it's a good one or not. Do you use them? Which ones do you recommend? Using them with DSLRs, not film cameras. Yes, light meters are an incredible tool for you to understand lighting ratios. What I do specifically with DSLRs and this digital space is color space is I light it to my monitor and then I go in there and see what my ratios are and how that's reacting with my monitor and just start to put that in my headspace 
of, okay, if I'm going to make a, a scene really kind of dark and moody, then I'm going to go for the ratio from key to fill. If it's a more of a comedy, I'm going to open it up. And what is that lighting ratio? These are things that you want to kind of study and using a light meter educates you to this ratio. I've done uh, a couple blogs on light meters on the Hurl blog punch in light meter in the search icon and it tells you how I use it, specifically how you shape your hand to, to read the key light, the fill light, the back light, and uh, all these things in between. I would refer to the Hurl blog and it shows you what meters I like to use. The next question. At the beginning of Need for Speed, you showed shots of the office and the trophies, I believe. Could you run through your lighting setup for that? It just looks so natural. That sequence I shot all on the Canon C500. It's that light quality that I call very fragile. I had a big 12 by 20 blue bounces outside of the windows, and I'm bouncing like M4s, airy M4s, into this large soft source. I think I added quarter blue on that source as well, so it had that very blue sky ambient kind of feel coming into the room. There's kind of uh, little shafts of sun here and there that speckle through the horizontal blinds to fall into the room, uh, mixed with some practicals. I shot it at 4,000 degrees, so my source would be fairly cool outside, and then my practicals would be nice and warm and rich. It was mainly just this beautiful, very, very large, soft source coming through the windows that kind of set that cooler tone into the shadows mixed with the practical light and then maybe a splash of a sun source which I did with an 18k if I was bringing in the shafts through the windows. All right, thank you so much about that one. Next question, how do you go about white balancing with multiple color temps? Do you plan it out to assist in the color grading if you have an idea of what might it look like? What about if you don't know what the final grade might be? Do you try to match the color temps? Do you manually dial in your color temp? Or do you start with a white balance from the camera, then tweak it to your taste? So I never auto white balance any camera. I go completely off of my eye on the monitor and I scroll the color temp wheel till it gets to my liking. And most of the time, it is before I do any lighting at all. I will plop the camera down, and the first thing I do is scroll color temps. Because most of the time, a lot of the lights that are in the scene, you cannot control. Or if they're on practicals and they're on dimmers, you can dim them down to the right ratio so they don't blow out and burn out. So once you've done that, now I'm taking my color temp wheel and I am scrolling that to find the right color. And I have designed the movie or the commercial or the short film in pre-production. I know exactly the color and the tone and everything that each scene should have. So that's all pre-planned. And uh, yes, I do have a plan. And yes, that color is all dialed in on the day. 
So when you do get into color correction, it's just a slight contrast shift as well as lowering the blacks and you are pretty much good to go. This is the way I handle every movie that I've done digitally as well as every film I've done photochemically or in the digital intermediate stage with shooting film. How much influence does a director have on your shot and lighting? For example, do they trust your judgment and why you have lit something the way you have or sometimes just tell you, I don't like that? And you have to change it even though your better judgment tells you not to. A lot of what we do is very subjective. So basically, how do you balance it at all? Well, I try to light a scene in the vision that, you know, I've talked to the director and we've gone through the tone and the mood of the movie and the feeling and how it should come across. A lot of you are taking advantage of this on set with Shane, which is on Fathers and Daughters. When Gabriel Muccino and I sat down to talk about this movie, we knew how to depressing the story was, and we didn't want the lighting to be also depressing and to not have color and to not have skin tones. If we did it, say something like Dragon Tattoo, then you would want to put a bullet in your head when you walked out of the movie theater. We wanted to make a very beautiful story with rich golden light and color and uh, feeling alive so it would juxtaposition the depth and serious nature and sad feelings that are through the emotional thread work of this amazing film. With that, you have to make these conscious choices of what's the best way to go about this. So I'd light a scene and within the first week, Gabriel Muccino would say, you know, there's just something I don't like about this. Could you do this? And I would do it. And he goes, yeah, perfect. And I just had the first week with him making some subtle suggestions and saying, yeah, could we change this or maybe go a little cooler or maybe go a little warmer? And I said, absolutely. He's the director or she is the director of the film. It's so important for you to deliver that vision. And when they see something that's not right, it's not right in their mind and their vision of the film. And as much as you talk to them and want to try and get in their headspace, it's difficult to. That's going to take a lot of prep and they have very very limited time to talk with you in pre-production. They're working with the actors and working with production design and hair and makeup and wardrobe and stunts and all these specific things. So there's a lot of ways that the director cannot get to you and help you in this process. So when he or she does make a suggestion, I definitely listen to it very much. Yes, what we do is very subjective. And have you changed the light? Absolutely, I've changed the light. Even though sometimes I thought my approach was right on the money, but I do change it. A lot of times you'll talk about you know, silhouetting a scene or making it very moody. And that's why I have the director right next to me viewing on the same monitor that I'm viewing it on. So if he says, I don't know, that just feels too dark, you know it's too dark because his version of silhouette 
might be seeing into the shadows or a semi-silhouette, even though the mood and everything that we talked about was silhouette. So these are the kind of things that you definitely want to listen to and make very educated choices to do so because they uh, ultimately, this is their film and you want to be able to deliver their vision. Next question. In Need for Speed, the lighting is so soft and it has an extremely clean look to it. Loved how the shadows softly wrapped on the actors' faces. What was the most commonly used lighting setup to get such a great look on the actors? Assuming that each scene was slightly different, pick any of them. They all looked amazing. Well, thank you very much for those kind words. My go-to lighting scenario, I mean, if I could talk about any single one, is bounce light. And it is bouncing with big 12 by 20 ultra bounces and bouncing 18Ks or Airy M4Ks into the bounce to be able to bring in this very soft feel. Let's take an example of when they walked into Marshall Motors after Marshall Motors was closed down. So after two and a half years of of Aaron Paul being in jail, they walked in there, they opened up the sliding door and there was this kind of cooler ambience that was mixed with like hard shafts of sun mixed with very, very soft tones. Well, that is exactly that. It is hard 18Ks that are kind of streaking through the space mixed with big 12 by 20 bounces where I'm bouncing 18Ks and airy M4s into them to bring soft ambience into through the windows to get that really soft quality that's very rappy and very beautiful on the skin. Then all the car interiors were done with that kind of style, with taking those jab lights that are like these very high output LED sources and pushing them through half grid or full grid tape to the window. So the actors are driving down the road in an assisted, what we call the shot buster. So there's a stuntman driving that vehicle. So we're pounding light through the windshield, through this diffusion that made it very soft and rappy and creamy as well. I'm a big, huge proponent of bounce light, especially with digital now. Using harder lights become very specular and very digital looking. The one takeaway that I've gotten away from with digital is not using as harder light sources that I used to be able to use with film. I'm not using those as much as I did with digital. The hard streaks and the hot overexposed and all that stuff just doesn't resonate or resolve very well. It looks very video in its overexposure. It doesn't burn and overexpose like film. Hopefully we will get there. I feel that we're still not there, even with the Aria Alexa and the Dragon. They are very close. Film is still uh, my go-to in regards to this overexposure windows and using hot, hot light. 
Next question. I'm just starting out in amateur filmmaking with a few very basic shoots behind me. I'm at the stage now where I'm considering buying lighting. And after selling my three 800 watt redheads due to the heat issue and setup downtime, I've decided to go for LED lighting. My question is, what would you recommend as a good luminance rating for a light to get someone started? Would you recommend flood or spot LED lights? Many thanks, Paul. My advice on you, Paul, is uh, in the LED technology, if I was going to design my go-to lighting kit, it would have a Felix 500Q Fresnel, which is this beautiful Fresnel that goes from 2800 all the way up to 6500 degrees. You have green and magenta shift that you can slide one way or the other. It is a full-spectrum LED, and it's a light that definitely has a soul. For a soft light that's very controllable, I would go with a KinoFlow Celeb 200 or 400. These lights have honeycomb egg crates on the front of them that contain the light so it doesn't fly all over the place. They have a gel frame if you want to add a gel, and they go from 2700 all the way up to 5500 degrees and can dim down to 0.3% without a color shift. The Felix lights do pretty much the same thing. So you got a Fresnel versus with a soft source. And then I would fill in like the Astro light panel one by one that has a ton of punch and can do all different types of color temp as well. And that's just a great bounce source or to push through a window. You can also get some of the Felix 360s that are a very small head that are great for sending little streaks of light in the background. And they go again from 2,800 all the way up to 5,500. So these are little lights that I would say you could move into the LED source and have some control, lighting control, as well as have a good amount of output to be able to bounce and not have to use hard light with these digital sensors. Well, that concludes our November podcast for the Inner Circle. I thank you so much for sending all these in. We had an Inner Circle member that suggested putting the questions that are going to be answered. So we will do that in the post where you can see the questions that I will be answering. So you can either fast forward or if there are not any of the questions that you want to listen to. Thank you very much again. And I will be talking to you all in December. What helps you become a better filmmaker? Knowledge, practice, consistency. That's exactly what happens in our loving film community of shanesinnercircle.com. Knowledge you can trust, people that care. If you want your questions answered, join us at shanesinnercircle.com. Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut, and I'm an ASC cinematographer. And my wife and I have created this incredible resource called the Filmmakers Academy. And we'd love for you to download and rate our app. If you're a filmmaker, do yourself a favor and download the Filmmakers Academy app today. It's available wherever you get your apps. Most notably, the App Store, Google Play, Amazon App Store, and the Roku Channel Store. The app includes everything on the platform for all access members and from content to community and coaching opportunities, everything you need to master your craft. So download the app. And this is the most important part. Be sure to rate it. 
Rating us really helps us spread the word and enhance our rankings in this dedicated app store. So if you love what we're doing, this is a way to show it. Together, let's take your career as a filmmaker to the next level.